Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. Nine. T-minus eight seconds. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. We have ignition and liftoff. Hello and welcome back to the Space News Podcast. My name is Will. I'm directly beaming this transmission from the mothership. Heading in the command center to all the space cadets out there. So two years ago, NASA launched OSIRIS-REx and it has traveled over 2 billion miles to an asteroid named Bennu. And it has arrived today. And its mission is to survey that asteroid ahead of retrieving pristine bits of the solar system on the rock's surface and bringing them back to Earth. So since it arrived, OSIRIS-REx will be doing a series of passes over the asteroid at a range of 4.3 miles for an initial survey better determine the mass spin and shape of this thing. And in January, the spacecraft will get closer to Bennu, uh, between 0.9 and 1.2 miles, and be drawn into orbit around the asteroid. It'll then spend more than a year performing reconnaissance on Bennu before attempting to bounce off the surface and collect a sample of the asteroid in mid-2020. So we have a little bit of time before now in the sample mission and this is this is just getting started it literally got there today so we have a little bit of time before it actually does any sampling and that will mean in 2020 the spacecraft will be sending back some samples of this asteroid back down to earth so we can study it so this Bennu asteroid it was discovered in 1990 and it's carbon rich it's uh, almost black it's super dark about 1600 feet wide and uh, scientists believe that it is a conglomeration of leftovers from the formation of the solar system so this return sample mission will tell us about things that happened a very long time ago so this is this asteroid is kind of pristine you know it it was formed at the beginning of the solar system hasn't been touched since or barely been touched since so we're going to learn a lot of things about the early formation of the solar system just from this return mission. So this Bennu asteroid, too, it's a near-Earth asteroid. And scientists have confirmed that there's a very small chance that it could hit Earth. But it's not going to hit Earth anytime soon. It'll be in the 22nd century if it actually happens. And it's not really large enough to cause a planet-wide extinction. But it would be catastrophic at the point of impact. So if this thing hits New York City, it could level miles of the city. It could destroy buildings, trees, people, cars, everything around it. It's big enough to do that, but it's not big enough to wipe out anything more than that, really. It's really not going to have a huge impact. If it does impact on Earth, it's just going to be a localized uh, destruction path. So this asteroid, since it is from the beginning of the solar system, um, they're looking to find organic molecules like amino acids, which are the building blocks of proteins found on Earth, 
that are also known to exist in interstellar space. And if they could find those kind of building blocks, they could piece together a formula where, um, you know, the beginning of life on Earth could possibly be from an asteroid impact. So a question is, does uh, Bennu contain higher concentrations of the 20 amino acids used by forms of life on Earth? And this would suggest that the universe favors these amino acids and not dozens of others, even in non-biological chemical reactions. Life on Earth uh, exclusively uses so-called left-handed amino acids and not the mirror right-handed versions. And studies of Bennu and the material on it could help explain whether non-biological chemical reactions in space pushed life toward left-handed molecules or whether that shift occurred later uh, when life actually arose on Earth. So Bennu is about the size, or not Bennu, I'm sorry, the uh, spacecraft is actually the size of a sports utility vehicle, an SUV. It's uh, the size of a soccer mom, you know, <laughs> a soccer parent's car. And it's scheduled to slowly descend and bounce off the surface like a pogo stick at a gentle pace of a quarter mile per hour. And it will sample the surface of this asteroid in 2020. So a sampling head, which looks like an automobile air filter, will shoot a burst of nitrogen to kick up dirt and small rocks during three to five seconds that it's in contact with the surface. And the goal is to collect at least a couple of ounces of material and possibly as much as 4.4 pounds of material. A spacecraft carries enough nitrogen to attempt uh, to extract material three times if it's absolutely necessary. And why did it take so long for us to get this thing there, right? So a quicker mission would have required a larger spacecraft carrying more fuel, and it would have been more expensive. OSIRIS-REx is $800 million, and it took a more efficient way to get there, a longer trajectory, taking advantage of a flyby of Earth last year, and it flinged it in the path to intersect with the asteroid. And they also want to study uh, Bennu in as much detail as they can before heading back to Earth. So... After departing Bennu in 2021, OSIRIS-REx will pass back towards Earth in September of 2023. It'll drop off a capsule with the samples and will land via parachute in the Utah desert. So think about the engineering and the science that goes into this. We launch an SUV to an asteroid 2 billion miles away. We land that SUV briefly to kick up some dust. It kicks up some dust into the air filter. From there, it flies back to Earth. And from Earth, or from its orbit around Earth, it'll parachute back down the samples and land. <laughs> land in the desert. How crazy is that? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, how, how can you launch an SUV into space? For one. That something that heavy, that big. And then you have to know exactly where this asteroid is, this tiny asteroid. It's not that big. And you have to, at that point, get to a certain orbit around this asteroid. You have to calculate all these things. And the trajectory has to be exactly perfect. If it's not, you go right past the asteroid and the mission is over. Luckily, we got to the asteroid today. And luckily, we're there. So in a little while... This SUV size uh, spaceship, so to speak, will, you know, gently glide its way down to the asteroid surface, pick up some dust, pick up some dirt, four 
ish pounds of it, hopefully, and then come back to Earth. That's absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. So cheers to all the engineers and scientists that made all this happen, all the people behind the scenes that made this happen. Like, this is absolutely nuts. And I can't wait to see what happens next with this thing. Now, remember Hayabusa? I don't know if you remember that. Um, it was a sample return mission from an asteroid. And it collected dust samples from an asteroid and returned them to Earth in 2005. So there's a follow-up mission, Hayabusa 2, that's like OSIRIS-REx in the fact that it's headed to a carbon-rich asteroid and it's scheduled to bring its samples back to Earth in 2020. So, but, you know, OSIRIS-REx will be bringing back much more rock and dirt than these Japanese missions, and it will bring us more data. So the more data we have from OSIRIS-REx and the Japanese missions, we can kind of put it all together and create a, a big picture scale of what the early solar system looked like and what was formed in the early solar system. So working all together, using all this data from all these different missions, OSIRIS-REx being the biggest mission and the Japanese uh, Hayabusa missions being a little bit smaller, but also very important, it's going to net us a huge gain to um, science from the early uh, solar system. Now, that being said, my friends, that is it for today. OSIRIS-REx is there. We did it, folks. Everyone involved has done it. Um, so I want to say thank you to everybody who's helped out this podcast. All of you space cadets out there, I appreciate every single one of you. And I appreciate and thank you for all the positive reviews I've gotten on uh, iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. All those positive responses mean a huge deal to a small podcast like mine. And I appreciate every one of you. Thank you so much. And from the mothership beaming straight down to you. I bid you farewell for today. I'm going to take off in the command center. I'll see you tomorrow, space cadets. Have a good day. Four, three, two, one. We have ignition and liftoff. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.